Well, hello, Kirkwood. We are back with another episode today. In, our, in this episode, we're going to cover some programming that we've got. We're going to talk, talk about an important new service coming up. That's right. And of course, this week's recommendation, we're talking about movie adaptations of books. The ones that we like, ones that we hate, and just our thoughts on some of our favorites. So stay tuned. This should be a very fun episode for you. Anyway, Ryan, so tell us, what is happening next week? I would be delighted to. We've got some virtual programs coming up that we're pretty excited about. So first up, there's the Kirkwood City Council Virtual Candidate Forum. And this is going to be a live-streamed event for the candidates for the Kirkwood City Council to answer community questions in preparation of the municipal election that will be on June 2nd. Uh, this forum will be moderated by the League of Women Voters and is presented in a partnership with Keep Kirkwood Green. Now, you might ask yourself, how do I ask questions to our candidates? Well, here's the answer. You can submit those questions on our website at kirkwoodpubliclibrary.org under the calendar of events. Now, the questions will be submitted on May 25th, so you only have this weekend to ask your question. And asking a question does not guaranteed does not guarantee that it will be asked during the live stream. The live stream can be accessed to the Kirkwood Public Library's YouTube page, but also on our calendar of events, you can sign up your email to get a link to the recording after the 27th. So that's going to be a pretty big deal. So make sure you get to our website and ask those questions. Yes, that's right. And I think the candidates would appreciate having some questions. It's a good way to ascertain who you're voting for. Next up, on May 28th at 6 p.m., we will have the virtual program Intro to Poetry. So do you want to learn some tips on how to write poetry or just improve your writing? Well, we've got the answer for you. It's going to be an online workshop for you. Now, you do have to sign up for this. It is at KirkwoodPublicLibrary.org's calendar of events. Uh, and from there, sign up, and you will be sent an invitation that will take place via Zoom on May 28th at 6 p.m. That sounds like fun. You know, anytime when I was uh, in school, in English class, we had to write poetry, it was always so scary for me. I thought, I can't do this. Sounds <laughs> be like you need some helpful hints. <laughs> yeah, so maybe this poetry workshop could, could, would be good for me. So attend it, get in your time machine, and help your past self. All right. Is it time for the new service that we have coming up? I think so. And this one is going to be incredibly exciting to talk about when you consider everything that we've gone through over the past, well, two months now. So, Jagisha, will you tell me what Kirkwood Public Library is up to? As we're coming to an end to our lockdown, the, the library is going to start offering extra services. So one of that is our book drops are now open. So all those books that you've been holding for the last several weeks will be open starting May 26th. So if you've got books, then go ahead and drop them into the book drop. That's pretty exciting because if, if you're out there listening like me, you've got a lot of stuff piled up wanting to get it back. Right. However, you cannot drop off your DVDs and anything like hot uh, tech or anything like that. So anything you normally wouldn't put in the book drop, you don't want to put in the book drop now either. So it's typically just the books. Something good to note. And in addition, starting June 3rd, we are going to offer curbside delivery. 
So if you've got holds or if you just need some new books because you're desperately have read everything and are desperately in need of more reading material, then we're going to start offering a way for you to pick up those holds. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. Do we know how a patron can take advantage of curbside pickup? Well, starting June, if you have holds coming up, you'll, we'll start contacting patrons starting June 3rd, and you'll be able to set up a time for you to pick up those holds that you've got. Well, that sounds pretty great. Yes, I'm very excited. So you'll be able to get some new reading material anyway. Let's talk about movie adaptations of books. We have a little list. Yes, we do. And I'm so excited because, as usual, this is our favorite part of the podcast. Well, the moment we get to talk about stuff that we love. Absolutely. Which, who doesn't love movies and books? So what's the first adaptation on your list? Well, this is kind of um, three in one. I'm cheating here. I'm, I'm sticking. I'm going to give you three of them, but they all are. You cheat? <laughs> Well, they're all by the same author. They're all by Stephen King. And so his books are uh, Green Mile, It, and then the short story Shawshank Redemption. All three were great stories, great books, and they were all phenomenal movies. I loved all of them. And at least two of those have been nominated for Oscars or had actors nominated for Oscars. Oh, yeah. And all the adaptations of those, yeah, like, I agree, were really good. And, you know, including, like, both versions of the It, like the movie version and the miniseries version, what I enjoyed for, you know, two completely different reasons. And, uh, yeah, Stephen King's fairly prolific. He is. And I, and I have to say, with It, I read the book, and the book had this cover. It was a black cover with just the clown with Pennywise on the cover. And his face mm -hmm. was white, so even in the dark, you could see the face. And so I had to turn <laughs> the book facing down, because as I was reading it, it was just too scary to sleep with the book facing up. Was <laughs> <laughs> it with the old uh, Friends episode where Joey puts it in the icebox so it can't get him? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to say, in both movies, the uh, TV series and the current movie that's, that came out last year, they did a great job with Pennywise. He is one scary clown. Yes. Uh, plus, uh, what, Skarsgård, the actor yes. who plays him, it just, uh, he's got an otherworldly quality about him. I was discussing this with some friends of mine, uh, and they're dead fast that their Pennywise was uh, Tim Curry, who, I, you know, I think Tim Curry's an amazing actor, and he did a great job. But I, you know, like, I think I said, if I had to point at the actor who I might believe was a giant other dimensional spider masquerading as a clown, I'd probably point at Skarsgård. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right, so what's the first one on your list? Well, why don't I take a page from your book and go with Stephen King as well. I had The Shining on my list. Uh, both a book that I quite enjoy and a movie that I adore as well. I would go as far to say that if I was desert islanding the, between the two, uh, I would say the movie has more of an impact on my life. I prefer it. And I've always found it very interesting that Stephen King hates it. Like a lot of it, the projects from books to movies that Stephen King had did, uh, he ends up hating the final product. And there is a 
great deal of difference between The Shining movie uh, to the book. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, spoilers ahead. I think one of the biggest difference is in the book, the character, the father character, Jack Torrance, is far more sympathetic. It's clear that that he is a good guy who had a difficult battle with alcoholism and then ending up in this haunted hotel basically starts possessing him. Uh, whereas more in the movie, it feels like, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson's Jack Torrance character is mostly not as, you know, a good guy. Basically, he descends into madness and somewhat stays there. And it's definitely by the, the house's hand, but you get the sensation that he was a darker character uh, where in the book, you know, the father gets redeemed versus where in the movie, you know, he's just crazy now. Yeah, and I thought Jack Nicholson did a great job in just showing the evolution of the character. So starting off with a loving father and husband when they first arrive at the hotel, and then you just slowly see him throughout the uh, movie as he gets deeper and deeper into the madness. I agree. It was, um, when it comes to crazy characters, there are a few who do, does it better. I can't think of one off the top of my head. And, uh, <laughs> and it was definitely a career defining performance from him. Yes. Yes. But he's not alone. I'm like Sissy Spacek is amazing in that. She sells raw terror so well. And she does. Uh, yeah. Which give her a shout out from another book of Stephen King's Carrie. She was a star in that one and just did the uh, psychic person turning into a crazy killer. <laughs> she <laughs> did <pretty> well. <laughs> yeah, her expression at the end when Carrie gets even at the prom is, is still nightmare inducing. Absolutely. All right. So how about what's next? The next one is my favorite book, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Uh, nope, that's a good book. So, and the movie version is just as well done with Gregory Peck. It's, I think it was made in the 60s. Just a phenomenal book, a great performance by all the actors, and they were fairly true to the book. Those are two. So if you haven't seen the movie, I would go ahead and find that movie, but with Gregory Peck. I agree. Well, I don't know if they've done a different version. I think they, you know, they did such a good version that it almost feels like blasphemy if they ever tried yeah. to remake the Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Gregory Peck's phenomenal. Robert Duvall's in it. Yeah, everybody does such a great job in that. Yeah, absolutely. This is one property where I hope Hollywood does not touch it again. <laughs> All right, your turn. What's next? Next, I'm going to talk about The Big Sleep. So I host the Mystery Readers Book Club that, that uh, happens monthly for the Kirkwood Public Library. Uh, and this month, we've read The Big Sleep. And I had not read that since high school. And for having reread it, I decided to basically watch the two different versions of the movie made. The 1940s uh, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren McCall version is a phenomenal movie. Remains relatively true to the book. I like highly recommend it. As well as the Robert Mitchum Oliver Reed version that was filmed in the 70s, which also has Jimmy Stewart. It's not as good as the Humphrey Bogart one. They take some liberties, and it's really hard to get over the fact that Robert Mitchum is a man who's probably nearing 70, who is essentially playing a character that is probably supposed to be in his 30s at the latest. He's got a presence, and he does a very good job. It's Philip Marlowe. And I felt like both movies were good for different reasons. I would, again, I would point to the Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall 
being the superior product. But I think the Big Sleep, whether you kind of like that hard-boiled detective story or not, it is a standard of, I guess, a American classic in literature, especially when it comes to the detective novels. Speaking with the wonderful Mystery Readers group, they all agreed on that premise. But it was more about book is great, but it's really the character that makes it an American classic. Yeah, and, you know, there's something about that noir, hard-boiled detective style that's got to be set in, in my opinion, in L.A. or New York and not London. <laughs> so, <are you> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Robert Mitchum version does take place in London for whatever reason. <laughs> I guess that's what they decided. That was the real big change of that was in the book is set in L.A. His, the 1970s version of the film, is in England. So weird. It is. It's strange. And I'm so was there I haven't seen the the Robert Mitchum version. Does he speak with an English accent? No, he they're playing that he was a GI that stayed there after the war. Ah, okay. That is their cover. All right. How about your next title? Well, this is going to go in the other direction. Typically, I've the last couple that I've mentioned, I've liked both versions. And this next one, I actually prefer the movie version to the book version. And lots of fans of the books are going to hate me. This is Lord of the Rings. I prefer the movie over the books. I just had such a hard time reading through the books. Not Mm -hmm. to say, just Tolkien just goes into such detail. There is so much information that it just goes on and on and on. And which is great because he is, it's a fantasy book and he's creating worlds. Very hard to read through, in my opinion. I wouldn't, I mean, I love them. And I could see where it would be for, you know, for me, it was always, I I don't like it in fantasy books when there is a song in there, because unless there's a tune, I can't hear the song. Mm -hmm. So it's just, so like in in Lord of the Rings, I feel like they break out into song an awful lot. And it's like, well, I'm just going to speed through this. Um, But, you know, I've also have friends who would say that that's crazy and that that's part of its charm. And, uh, you know, I completely see where they're coming from. Um, I think, I think I like, I prefer the movies as well. Um, but it's a hard call. I think they're both equal in my mind. Um, but you know, I don't have quite the buy-in as some of my friends do. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you've got still a couple more, right? So what else do you got? Uh, let's see. I'm going to do the next one. My next one is going to be like yours, an example of where I thought the movie was superior to the book, and that is Steven Spielberg's classic Jaws. Jaws was written by author Peter Benchley, in which the movie was based upon, which pretty much set the standard on what a summer blockbuster was. It was widely considered as the first summer movie. It's, I'm sure pretty much all of our listening audience at one point or another has seen the movie Jaws and doesn't need me to recommend it uh, or they know why it's fantastic. But I think the book itself is good, but it's, there's a lot of things in it that I feel doesn't work. And maybe this is because I've seen the movie Jaws before I read the book, but it's got a, you know, it's got a subplot where uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character, Roy Schneider's character's wife, uh, Brody's wife is having an affair with Richard Dreyfuss's character, Matt Hooper. And it just kind of feels like it's unnecessary. There's also a subplot about the mafia being in Amity Island where they're trying to keep the beach open. And I feel like it 
it detracts from the, you know, the fear of the shark and it like creates like a human bad guy. Additionally, there's a lot of heavy overtones. Well, even in the movie that Robert Shaw's character, Quint, is kind of a Captain Ahab. But I mean, he even pretty much dies in the book, much like Captain Ahab. Like he, he gets dragged down to the briny deep mm-hmm. by, the, by his obsession. Where in the movie, you know, he just gets bitten and Jaws eats him. And, but I think it's, it was such a scary moment in the movie where that happens. You know, I, I'm also kind of curious as well, but I, I assume Peter Benchley enjoyed the movie uh, as he does have a cameo in it. He plays the uh, reporter on Amity Island telling people that people are coming out to the beach. I would say the movie was better than the book, which is a fair rarity. Well, you know what? You got to give credit to Stephen King or um, Stephen, King, Stephen Spielberg because <laughs> he is he is so good at giving us terror. Like in the movie, the the, the way the soundtrack is used, you know, you hear that music and you know the shark is coming and you're, you know, your heart starts to beat along with the music, or at least mine does. Um, uh, yeah, that's a, another fantastic selling point. Uh, I don't think anyone does quite the score. Uh, John Williams and his Jaws theme, Ratchet's Tension. So anytime you hear that, I mean, you're just going to know that's from Jaws. You automatically associate it. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg did an amazing job with another book called Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. In the movie, he has this wonderful scene, one of my favorite scenes, where you see the water vibrating in the glass, and the kids are in the car with that water vibrating. I guess it's a glass or a bottle. I don't remember exactly, but... It was a glass in the cup. Okay. And you know that the dinosaur is coming just from seeing that vibration and then the sound that stomping sound they're trying to figure out what the sound is but you know as the audience you know what that is and you're just sitting there going what's going to happen to these poor kids the t-rex is coming exactly the t-rex is coming it's not just any dinosaur it's a t-rex dinosaur (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and i think jurassic park is another fantastic example of of a good movie made from a good book as well I, i think there is considerable differences between both the book and movie and Jurassic Park, but I really feel both work. And I don't think that one outweighs the other, essentially. Now, a lot yeah. of people will say that's, I'm cr- that's crazy. <laughs> I know some people that would argue tooth and nail for that book. They might be right, but I love uh, Steven Spielberg's interpretation. Plus, you have so many great performances. Laura Dern always crushes it. And Sam Neill. I mean, I, you know, love Sam Neill, so... <laughs> Also, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, and Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I mean, the cast was great, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Samuel Jackson, and who can forget Wayne Knight? All right, I think you have one more. Uh, so, it wouldn't be a recommendation section from me without some sort of graphic novel conversation. <laughs> and so, I'm going to talk about Watchmen. So, when that came out, I was, when I first started reading it, I was a young kid, and it blew, you know, it blew my mind away about, like, how comic book could also be a vehicle for concept you know situations like adult situations and basically just be literature unto itself and Watchmen is definitely one of those great stories kind of about people panic about things they can't control superheroes who are more problematic and deal with issues that we as people would deal with they're not all Superman where they're beautiful and always right they're you know complex people who also you know suffer from rage or make mistakes and or some are just heroes but they're actually terrible people and do 
do harm. So the book Watchmen touches on so many different complex social issues. And this came back back in the 80s. And I remember as I probably read it far too young to understand most of Mm -hmm. these things. So but when the movie came out, I was pretty excited. And then I went and saw it. So Watchmen, the film, when I left, I couldn't say what didn't work, but I didn't like it. And it was it's kind of one of those moments where, much like many comic book movies made from source material, I usually think it ends up being terrible because directors get involved, studios get involved, and they want to change everything from the source material, and they will seldom understand what makes the character work or why that character has an audience. And Watchmen was fairly faithful to the graphic novel, and yet for some reason it was flat and dull didn't care for it and there's a terrible sequence where they use hallelujah just probably (laughs) poorly so that would be one example where i would say read the book watchmen but you don't really need to see the movie yeah i would agree with you i haven't read the book but i did try to watch the movie and honestly i couldn't relate to the characters i mean one of the big things is you have to find something that you can relate to the characters especially in a superhero comic book type movie Because, I mean, even though like Superman or Spider-Man, Batman, I can still relate to these characters. You know, I might not have been bitten by a radioactive spider. No. But I still relate. With Watchmen, could not find a character to relate to. And I actually got bored with the movie and I didn't finish it. It's just not well done. And I don't, I've never been on the Zack Schneider bandwagon, like most of his films. I just, they look impressive, but... That's that's as far as it goes. Visually, it's appealing, but content is usually so dull, mm-hmm. at least for me. I went with a, you know, a group of friends who are all like-minded comic book readers, and we had a lengthy discussion. But for the most of us, we couldn't say why we didn't like it. That We just felt it didn't work. It fell flat. So read the book, Watchmen. Let's skip the movie. So that's our adaptation recommendations and... Also, anti-recommendations, one to stay away from. (laughs) Yes. So let us know what you think. Do you have any favorites? Please leave a comment. We'd love to hear. There were so many that, you know, we just couldn't touch base on. Boy, we'd love to hear your favorites. And did you notice we refrained from Harry Potter and any of the Avenger movies? (laughs) Just for you, Kirkwood. Don't forget to log in those summer reading pages. The word for the podcast challenge is imagine, as in imagine your story. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. See you next week, Kirkwood.